0: This is the Overtime Podcast Network. You're listening to the Huddle Up Podcast with Chad Jensen and Zach Kelberman. Join Bronco's Country's deep divers at milehighhuddle.com and sound off. And now it's time to drop
2: some knowledge. Welcome in, everybody, to the Huddle Up Podcast presented... As always, by Mile High Huddle and 24-7 Sports, powered today by Overtime Media. I'm your host, Chad Jensen. With me, as always, is my partner in crime. You know him as your Denver Broncos reporter for 24-7 Sports. The man with his finger on the pulse of everything happening at Mile High. He is Zach Kelberman. Zach, here we are. It is Friday. Our listeners are getting ready to take a load off and enjoy this
1: coming weekend. What do you got cooking this weekend? I don't have too much going on. I just, uh, I'm going to take it as it goes, and I'm going to kind of enjoy some of the downtime with the Super Bowl over and the Senior Bowl over, because starting the Combine, you know it as well as I do. I mean, the NFL never sleeps. you got the Combine, free agency, then the draft, then minicamp, so it's exciting, and I'm just kind of taking it as it is right now.
2: We do. We're hoping, we got some plans in the works for the Combine. We're hoping here really soon to be able to announce some some exciting stuff cooking that Zach and I have uh, in the works for the Combine. It's a little too soon to unveil it quite yet, but uh, stay tuned for that. You know, I think what I'm going to start doing here, it's about that time with the Super Bowl. Uh, In the books, the Senior Bowl's in the books. It's time for me to start paying a little bit more attention to the draft class. I'm going to talk to my boys, Eric Trickle, Nick Kendall, Carl Dunlap. I'm going to talk to the dudes and say, hey, Give me give me a list of names at X Y Z position. I'm gonna spend some time watching a little bit of film on start grinding that tape. Yeah, and just you know, I'm not gonna go overboard because that's why that's why we have those guys because that's their passion, that's their field of expertise. But uh, I'll probably start taking a little bit more time to educate myself on the 2019 class, watch some tape myself. So we do have a lot to get to today in the VIP mailbag. But first, you guys. A few matters of business. Make sure you're following the show on Twitter. Absolutely crucial. You want to stay up to date. You want to stay engaged. You want to be able to participate in planning the show. And also get your questions in. Engage with the, with Zach and I. you got to follow the show. Convert your listenership from iTunes, from Stitcher, from CastBox, from YouTube. Keep listening, but pop on over while you're listening to Twitter. Open up the app. Follow the show at HuddleUpPod.com. Huge, huge, huge. Also, take some time, you hear me say it, each and every episode, to leave a creative review and rate the show. We appreciate a five-star rating, obviously, but any rating, You know, we want your feedback. We want to know how you think. Obviously, we think you like the show. That's why you're listening to it. That's why you're taking the time to rate the show, but we do like your feedback, so take some time.
0: was not the actual voice of a winner. All right, so
2: it is that time of the week, Zach, where we take a peek inside the Mile High Mailbag VIP edition. We're going to make this a Friday tradition moving forward, so all of our awesome listeners and VIP subscribers can look forward to and expect to get their answers on Friday, because Zach and I are your your football priests, and each and every week we pride ourselves on being available to offer you that absolution and the answers to your burning Broncos questions. And there's quite a few interesting ones here, Zach, that should make for a, a good conversation today on Friday. The first one here comes from Put Atwater in the Hall. His <laughs> name is his uh, Don. Great guy. Just followed me on Twitter as well. Great guy. He says, hi, Chad and Zach. Just signed up. By the way, he spelled your name correctly. So oh, nice. Props to, to Don. Just signed up for the VIP today. Hey, props, buddy. Thanks for joining us was wondering about Jeff Holland, our undrafted rookie from Auburn. I focused on him the last three games when he got his shot to play, and it seemed like he was hustling and making plays when he was in there. Do you think under Fangio, Holland can become a Shaq
1: Barrett type of player for us? Thanks. Great question, Don, and thanks for the support. Yeah, I do believe that. And Jeff Holland's another guy from the Vance Joseph era who didn't get his shot. For me, why he was on the practice squad so long and they're not getting a, a chance on defense, because I agree, he was like Demarcus Walker. Every time I watched him on the field, he was around the football. He was making plays, and he can be that pass rushing presence. You saw what Fangio did last year in Chicago with Aaron Lynch, who's now a free agent. I mean, he turned it on out of nowhere. That is Fangio's background. He cut his teeth coaching outside linebackers. He will no doubt make Chubb a better player, Vaughn a better player, and also Jeff Holland a better player. So, yeah, he's not going to be a starter. He's not going to have 10 sacks. But a solid five- to six-sack guy in a backup role, I can definitely see that.
2: I mean, we know it, that it is Fangio's area of expertise is coaching those backers. And all you have to do is just go back to every one of his NFL stops on his resume Chicago, of course, he had Khalil Mack come in and take it, his career to another level. On the other side, he had Leonard Floyd. You mentioned Lynch. You go back to his previous stop in San Francisco where he had Alden Smith on one side. He had, what was the other guy, 55, um, I'm trying to think of his name. Ahmad Brooks. Yes, he had Ahmad Brooks on the other side who was a 8-10 to 10 sack guy under Fangio. And then also... That awesome tandem rushing off the right side of the defensive line in Justin Smith and Alden Smith, even though Justin Smith was D-line. And then you can keep going, rolling it back farther to some of his outside backers in Houston, Carolina. And then, of course, he was the progenitor, Fangio, of the Dome Patrol that had just four phenomenal linebackers back in the late 80s, early 90s in New Orleans. Pat Swilling was named uh, the Defensive Player of the Year, one year under Fangio and then of course he even got Hall of Famer out of that group. So it's his area of expertise and what does that mean for the Denver Broncos? Just like Zach said, you're going to see Von Miller inexplicably take a step forward. Like he Zach said yesterday on his, on the show yesterday, if Von Miller can get 14 and a half sacks under you know Vance Joseph and Joe Woods, imagine what he's going to be able to accomplish and the kind of chaos he's going to be able to wreak under Vic Fangio. And then on the other side, you have a phenomenal young, talented cornerstone type of player in Bradley Chubb who was able to post 12 sacks as a rookie. He's one of only 10 players all time to post 12 sacks in his rookie campaign. Not even Vaughn is in that club, okay? And so he's going to take a step forward. He's going to continue to develop, and Fangio is just the guy to facilitate that. And then you throw in our boy Jeff Holland into that equation, Zach, and I think you're going to see him take a small step forward as well. And and as you said, he's not going to be a starter. He's not going to play starter snaps. But as a rotational guy, to answer Don's question very you know, succinctly, yes, I can foresee him coming in. Imagine the type of impact or think back to the type of impact Shaq Barrett had in 2015 under Wade Phillips where he first started being a real role player. He had whatever it was, four and a half, five sacks, something like that in 2015. I don't think that's asking
1: too much or setting the bar too high for Jeff Holland in 2019. No, that's exactly where I see him. I mean, if he can chip in five, six, seven sacks, I mean, you're talking about another pass rushing presence on a team that has Von Miller and Bradley Chubb. So, so you you put all those parts together, and you have that defensive line who has capable pass rushers. Um, yeah, I definitely see Holland being one of the biggest benefactors yep. of Fangio's arrival.
2: Yep. Plus, he's bringing over. Uh, what was his name? The outside linebacker, Staley. Story. Staley, Brandon Staley. So. Yeah, it's a really exciting position to look forward to in 2019, just to see how that can take flight under the Wizard of Football, as he was called by some of his players back in San Francisco. So we move on here to No Fly Zone, 2125. He's been a VIP subscriber at MileHighHuddle.com 24-7 Sports for 14 months. No Fly Zone says, with free agency getting closer, who do you see being the top targets for the Broncos? Elway usually is really good in free agency, and with Fangio there now, do you see more players willing to come and play for him? And what are the biggest targets in free agency for us position-wise? And the second part of his question is this Locke-Broncos buzz, Drew Locke, just keeps getting stronger and stronger. With Scangarello there now, knowing he's very good with developing quarterbacks, do you think, given that we have Case, that he can work with Locke and fix his footwork problems – since he would probably sit at least half of the year behind Case. I feel like with the right moves this offseason, we could be right back into playoff contention. You can never count Elway out. By the way, I love and appreciate all your guys' hard work. Love being able to keep up with the Broncos news. So that's kind of a dense question that Uh has a a few levels of analysis. So let's just start off with free agency getting closer, etc. Who are the top targets for the Broncos? And just before I serve this over to you, Zach, Going back to that Wednesday episode of Building the Broncos, a few names that Benjamin Albright threw out, one of whom both Zach and I have been pounding the table for, is C.J. Mosley. The Broncos are going to be in Mm -hmm. on the C.J. Mosley sweepstakes in a big way if the Baltimore Ravens allow him to hit free agency. But another couple of names that Albright threw out were the offensive tackle from Miami, Juwan James, and then the safety who played under Fangio and flourished in Chicago, Adrian Amos.
1: Yeah, I I say it every time, but I I expect the Broncos to be very aggressive on the open market, and I expect them to target Bears players who are hitting free agency, uh, like Adrian Amos, Aaron Lynch, Bryce Callahan, one of the best slot cornerbacks in the entire NFL. You pair him with Chris Harris Jr., you will have that no-fly zone back in working order. Eric Cush is a a Chicago guard who developed nicely in Chicago last year. That's another free agent. So they're going to shore up a lot of their needs on the open market. They're going to leave the draft for a true best player available, Probably a quarterback. So in terms of their positions, they're going to target corner, uh, safety, off-ball linebacker, defensive line, offensive line. And before all that even, they have to target their in-house players, who they want to bring back, who they want to get rid of. Right. Bradley Roby, Matt Paradis, Dometa, Peck. They have a lot of decisions to make, but I expect the Broncos to make them quickly and very aggressively.
2: So he talks about the, the lock Broncos buzz, getting stronger and stronger, knowing he's very good at developing quarterbacks. Do you think, Zach, to get to No Fly Zone's other question here, that Skangarello being the coach that he is, if Drew Locke ends up being the pick, you know, and Eric helped, Eric Trickle last week kind of helped us understand a little bit more why footwork is so important in terms of throwing accuracy, velocity, and all that for a quarterback. And that's probably the biggest knock on Locke, aside from his nine inch hands, is that his footwork could use some polishing. Do you think Skangarello could offer that type of help? For a young franchise caliber stud like Drew Luck.
1: That's exactly why they hired him. I mean, they hired him solely because of his work with young quarterbacks, Garoppolo and Bethard and Mullins. That's why they brought him in. They And even Elway's comments when he said Keenum's on a short-term fix, or he is a short-term fix, he wants a young guy to develop and have in the system for years. That, to me, screamed the Broncos are going to draft a guy. And then they go out and hire a coordinator and a QB coach who are known for working with young guys. So, yeah, they brought him in because they feel like he can mold that young guy. And Drew Locke, to me, is the perfect project for them because he has enough physical talent to succeed. He he just needs that seasoning and that that extra bit of NFL conditioning with his footwork and, and accuracy and stuff like that. So he's a good project for Sangarello. And the entire reason why the Broncos brought him in is because they think he can develop the next franchise quarterback.
2: Yeah. And there's, I mean, there's a streak of pessimism it's not everybody in Broncos Country, but after the depredations of the last three seasons, missing the playoffs, Vance Joseph, all that, there's a streak within Broncos Country that is very Pessimistic about John Elway, but I want to. I concur with No Fly Zone here in that you can never count Elway out. And as it relates to the idea of drafting another quarterback, another thread in Broncos country, Zach, is fans just kind of being a little gun shy about drafting another quarterback because of how badly Paxton Lynch was botched. And you know, there's some blame on the Broncos side. There's some blame on on the Lynch side. But Elway has talked about. You know, swinging, missing, going to keep swinging. The way to look at it is this. John Elway is a Hall of Fame quarterback, two-time Super Bowl champion, took his team to five frickin' Super Bowls in his era. And as a quarterback, you know what, he had the kind of mindset. He had that Hall of Fame mindset in which, you know what, you throw an interception in the second quarter – there are some quarterbacks who's, you know, there's, you know what, goes in the dirt. They start looking at their shoes. They lose their confidence. They're thinking about it. They can't get it out of their head. Elway was never that guy. He came out firing so that in the fourth quarter, that interception was not haunting him. He could bring his team back or he could make that play to secure the win. And that's the same type of, you know, you got to be able to forget it type thing mindset that Elway, I think, is going to have moving forward. He's got to have it, Zach, if he's going to find the Broncos, that true long-term, bona fide franchise quarterback,
1: which is the only path to elevating this team out of the doldrums. Absolutely. You keep swinging until you hit a home run. You keep picking that quarterback until he's your franchise guy. I mean, he's had the right idea, just the wrong targets with Simeon and Lynch and Osweiler uh, he's had the right idea and if he thinks Drew Law can be a franchise guy and if he's as smitten with him as reports indicate then go get him it's as simple as that just how it was as a quarterback not being able to not being afraid to take risks That's tell you that to be as a GM especially when finding a quarterback keep keep trying until you hit that guy it just has to be yep
2: so here in just a few seconds we are going to answer a few more of your great VIP questions we got some topics on Shelby Harris we got some topics on the draft. But first, we're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back.
1: This is the Overtime Podcast Network.
2: All right, you guys. So the next question here in the VIP edition of the Mile High Mailbag comes from Jedi Joshua58. He's been a VIP subscriber going on two months now. Here's what Joshua says You guys are the best, for real. Keep up the good work. You think Fangio keeps Shelby Harris at nose tackle? Or does he draft some depth there? I love Domita Peco, but I'm not as high as some on him in terms of coming back. Love the guy, but he regressed. Maybe Fangio coaches him up, but at his age, doubtful. Good locker room guy though. So his question though, as it relates to Shelby Harrison. By the way, Jedi Joshua, thanks. We appreciate the the props. Appreciate the love. You are uh, you've been a long time listener to this show. Always have been engaged, and then you pulled the trigger taking that. Next step in terms of supporting us by becoming a VIP subscriber. So much love. But his question there about Shelby Harris, Zach, do you think, because one thing that was interesting about last season is that Shelby Harris played a lot more snaps at nose tackle instead of the five-tech defensive end. Do you think that trend continues? Do you think Fangio is going to keep him at nose tackle or are they going to draft some depth? I think they're, they're going to capitalize on this deep defensive line class.
1: It's just a matter of where. Quietly, Shelby Harris has been the Broncos' breakout player in the last two seasons. In 2017, he had the second most sacks on the team behind Von Miller. Out of nowhere, he was a former Raiders, I believe, seventh-round draft, pick. he was a cast-off. Last year, moved to nose tackle. He graded out as a top-ten interior lineman, according to Pro Football Focus. Better marks than Geno Atkins and Dominic and Sue. I mean, this guy can ball. He can play. I believe, though, he's a restricted free agent. So that kind of complicates matters. I would expect him to get his second-round tender, and hopefully he comes back on that deal. Um, But also, Pecco's a free agent. They don't have a nose tackle there. So it's a lot of moving parts here. I would bring Harris back. Regardless, you have depth at defensive end, and that could help with Wolf being maybe shown the door or nose tackle with Pecco being a free agent. So I would definitely slap a second-round tender, and I would even not be opposed to using a first-rounder. I'm a big, big fan of Shelby Harris. So Nick Kendall published
2: a phenomenal article on late on Wednesday that was going through basically the top 10 options, non-quarterback options for the Broncos to consider at pick 10, you know, assuming they don't get a quarterback, right? So if the worst-case scenario, they try to maneuver, they don't get their guy, and they don't go with a quarterback in the first round, who are the best options there? There's a few offensive linemen that he mentions, but he talks a lot about the three uh, big-time defensive tackles, Quinn and Williams, Uh, He brings up Ed Oliver from Houston, and then Jeffrey Simmons. If the Broncos don't get a quarterback in the first round, I'd be okay with them taking one of those generational type of players, even though I prefer to go after a guy like Devin White who feels a more immediate need at off-ball linebacker. But – Even if they don't get a guy like that in the first round, there are other guys, and Eric Trickles published a few articles, one he did on Under the Radar uh, defensive lineman earlier this week that you guys got to go check out as well. So there are going to be some options there, but as a restricted free agent, the Broncos are going to tender Harris, no doubt about it. It's just a matter of at what level to try and disincentivize opposing teams from trying to sign him and make an offer. I concur with Zach. He's probably going to be a second-round tender. No team's going to be willing to give up a number two pick to, t- to take Shelby Harris off Denver's hands. So it's a pretty safe bet, I think, that Harris is coming back. He's going to be in the orange and blue. And if you look at it, you know, we'll see what happens with Derek Wolfe, but I think moving forward, even if Pecco ends up getting re-signed to a short-term one-year deal type thing, I think if you move forward with the idea of Shelby Harris being your starting nose tackle, you got Gatsas on one side, and maybe Wolf on the other side. Maybe it's a rotation of Wolf, and who knows? We'll see what happens with Demarcus Walker. Even though I've been told that he, there's a good chance he might not even make the roster this year, we'll see. Ugh. But if if you, my point being though that if Shelby Harris is at nose tackle, I like him there with the talent the Broncos have at five tech and the depth there. You keep Shelby Harris at nose tackle, let him make plays at the point of attack. The only thing that kind of you lose with Harris there as opposed to Domita Pecco, especially the 2017 version of Domata Pecco, Domita Peco, is that he's not as big. He doesn't have quite as much beef on his bones. So he can get moved off the point of attack, but he's a much more savvy penetrator and disruptor at the point of attack.
1: And the thing is, Wolf and Gatsas are also great run stuffers. So if they have to give up a little bit on the nose, I'm okay with that. Harris is a much better playmaker. He had that game-stealing interception against the Steelers. Um, he, he can rush the passer. So I like him a lot, and um, I do think he should be a priority for Denver. It just gives them versatility, gives them options. And I agree with you to the point about the draft. Right now, as I see it, the Broncos will go one of three ways at, in round one. Quarterback, cornerback, or defensive line. It's defensive line, it's a very top-heavy class, so they can get a guy like Williams or Oliver who would star under Fangio in this defense. But I would definitely bring back Shelby Harris. All right, next question here comes from Christy2019,
2: Miss Christy78, I think it is, on Twitter. Awesome. She's been subscribing. Well, I'm not sure. It shows here that she's 17 months a VIP subscriber. I thought she joined us as a VIP in January, but maybe that's just when she started engaging on the MHH Insiders Forum. But either way, Christy, we're so glad that you are a VIP subscriber. This is a great question. She says, quote, all amazing questions. She's talking about the thread here. Lots of eyes on draft prospects right now. Who are some of your favorite and most likely choices the Broncos would benefit from picking up, though, in free agency? So, again, we we touched a little bit on this earlier. I think that... You know, if you go back to what we talked about with C.J. Mosley, we've we've kind of covered ground there. Jawan James is a guy you could bring in, and he's a set and forget type of right tackle, but you'd have to be willing to spend some coin. Adrian Amos, you bring up Bryce Callahan. I do think the Broncos wanna You know, going back to that conversation with Albright on uh, Benjamin Albright on Wednesday, he didn't really talk much about cornerback getting a veteran cornerback. But I think the Broncos are going to have to spend some money there. Bryce Callahan obviously makes the most sense in terms of fit, in terms of you know just having that chemistry already established with Vic Fangio. But I don't think we should completely sell short the option
1: of or the possibility of Landon Collins as well. I was just going to bring him up, so that you kind of stole my thunder there. Yeah, but I think before the Broncos go for the big names, they're going to go for a uh, the Bears. I really do think they're going to target the Bears for agents. It just makes too much sense in year one to, to ease the transition from Van Joseph to Vic Fangio. I am a big, big, big fan of Bryce Callahan. I just think in this secondary with Donatello and, and Fangio and working alongside Chris Harris Jr., I mean, you can never have too many good nickel cornerbacks, so he'd be a good pickup there. And I think you're right with Darian Stewart going to be probably released you have Roby a free agent you have uh, Tremaine Brock a free agent you need help in the secondary so at that spot they're going to be the most aggressive landing columns to me is plan a at safety but I would not be opposed at all to Adrian Amos
2: yeah and there are some other interesting corner slash DB names I love Kareem Jackson the Atlanta Falcons just put Robert Alford on the market uh, there's Brent Grimes there's Mo Claiborne Buster McCordy. Strine what'd you say
1: I think Jason McCord is a free yep, Jason
2: too. McCourty. Although I've heard that he's after winning a, a title, he's considering hanging it up because he's 32. We'll see what happens there, but there's some names out there. And if we take and this is off of spot track in terms of, if you guys want to eyeball this yourself, you can go to spot and then they have a free agent tool in which you can just click the position that you want to look at. If we look at inside linebackers pending free agents for 2019, which is another significant position of need. Brandon Marshall, has talked recently about being possibly open to renegotiating his contract in order to stick around. But the things I've been hearing is that the Broncos plan on moving forward without him. So if you look at some of the names there, we've already touched on C.J. Mosley, you've heard me talk about before, you guys, Craig Robertson, who is a former Brown. He's north of 30 now. He's 31 years old. So that's one you know, uh, con in terms of pros and cons as it relates to Craig Robertson. But he signed that deal going from the Cleveland Browns to the New Orleans Saints. He's hitting free agency this year. He's interesting to me. You got uh, Preston Brown is going to be available. Not a, I mean, once you get past to me, it goes like this: C.J. Mosley, and then everybody else. But at the top of the list of that everybody else
1: is Craig Robertson, as it relates to off-ball linebacker. Yeah, it kind of falls off uh, a little bit. And I think with Josie Jewell showing capable last year, and you still have Todd Davis under contract, they'll add a guy, but they're not going to splurge or break the bank for an inside linebacker on the open market. They'll probably turn to the draft to fill that that hole. And if they go in a fourth direction, if they don't go for a a thrower, a corner, or a a defensive lineman, Devin White, like you said, from LSU, that linebacker, a three-down future star, would make a ton of sense for Denver. All
2: right, so we move on here to the next question. Let me find it here from Studley. Again, phenomenal handle. Two months going on. He's been a VIP subscriber. Appreciate you joining the the club, my friend. Would another year with Case Keenum under center really be that bad? Studley says he's only been with the team for one year, and I expect that he'll be much better under the new coaching staff. A wild card season this year and drafting a QB in 2020 doesn't sound bad to me. I would almost prefer trading back and getting an additional twenty twenty pick to use to trade up next year. Maybe I'm still dreaming that Keenum can be the twenty seventeen version. Still, is what he says. Now, as we talked about on yesterday's show, it you know brought into focus by the conversation with Albright. You can win with. Case Keenum, if you have the right coaching, you have the right pieces around him, you're playing to his strengths, you're getting him outside the pocket, you're playing, you know, focusing on play action, et cetera, so you can win. I get what you're saying, Studley, but here's what I want you to consider, and I'm going to serve this over to you, Zach. What you got to consider is how often are the start, I mean, the odds tell us if you go back and look at the last 10 drafts, okay, the true franchise caliber quarterbacks that come out of those drafts, they're not taken at the back end of the first round. Okay, they're all within the top 15 picks, almost without, without question. There's a few exceptions, but almost without fail. So the Denver Broncos, if you look at it through that scope, and Zach and I have talked a lot about this recently, is how often are your Denver Broncos going to be picking in the top 10? Okay, it's, it's, the odds are it's not going to happen again in the near future. And so that being said, the opportunity is most ripe now. They're within striking distance. Even if they don't trade up, sitting at number 10, they're still in pretty good position to get a franchise-caliber guy. And so for that reason, Zach, I still remain adamant that the Broncos need to capitalize. But in a worst-case scenario, getting to his question, what would your thoughts be? If I mean, if you had to live with 2020 being really where you push for a
1: franchise guy, could you live with Keenum under center again in 2019? Uh, yeah, we talked about this on, on yesterday's show. I, I feel like you can win with him and 9-7 and seven or 10-6 and six would be your absolute best case scenario because with better coaching, you'll see a better Case Keenum and you'll see a better Broncos offense, but he's not the future guy, he's not the franchise guy, and he's not going to be resigned beyond 2019. So what it comes down to is bad or better, that's subjective. That's your opinion. To me, if the Broncos have a young franchise quarterback on the roster or developing at the end of 2019, that's successful. The playoffs to me don't determine success. So Keenum, you can get some more out of him. You'll see a better Keenum, maybe less interceptions, maybe a little more confident. But whether you want to wait or take a quarterback next year, or take one this year for the sake of taking one. That's so subjective. That's your opinion. For me, I'm kind of with you, Chad. Um, You don't really have this option or this possibility too often being in the top 10. If you think Drew Locke is your guy, you got to get him. You can't hang your hat on what 2020 or 2021 can be. You have to win now. And uh, that's why I think they're going to make a move this year. So, and that's the thing is, you know, both
2: Zach and I, our opinions evolve over time. The more information you get, the, your opinion can change. and, when we were talking about this subject, you know, when the Broncos started going on their skid last season on that four-game losing streak, you know, we were looking ahead at the quarterback class and just kind of going off surface information, all signs, you know, the trope has been that the 2019 class is lackluster, right? And so, But 2020 has all these great options, et cetera. And so both of us were kind of like, yeah, probably 2020 is when you really want to go win. You paid Keenum for two years, et cetera. But Opinions, information comes, your opinion evolves. And both of us right now feel that the, the time you got to strike while the iron's hot. And right now, because of the, the way the stars have aligned, the, 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 the iron's hot now. So we'll move on here to uh, Bronco fan 55555, longtime VIP subscriber, 142 months. Also helps out big time as an administrator and moderator on our forums, including MHH Insiders. His question, he brings up the great podcast with Benjamin Albright on building the Broncos on Wednesday. He says, is probably not coming back was a shocker. Albright suggested that Sanders getting traded to San Francisco uh, could be a possibility to move up to get Drew Locke as a deal. Are there any other players, Zach, that the Broncos might be willing to package in a trade to move up with San Francisco that the Niners might consider and might need?
1: Well, let's look at the untouchable Broncos: Von Miller and Bradley Chubb. Is that that's pretty much it? I mean, even Philip Lindsay could be traded. I don't think the Broncos have the capital in terms of players. Lynch would probably do uh, Elway a favor and just take some second-round picks or a third-round pick, whatever. A combination of those. Sanders would be a big trade chip if he was healthy, which we touched on in the last show. With that Achilles injury, though, I I just don't know that he'd be the thing to move the needle to go to ten to two. Um, I, I think if a trade happens, which I feel is unlikely, it would involve more so draft picks than players yeah i concur but if you know just to speak in
2: hypotheticals you know if the broncos were in this situation last year which they kind of were they they're pick five and they wanted sam darnold or baker mayfield they couldn't get mayfield but they had a shot at darnold if they wanted to play ball they chose not to ideally you know then you could have packaged shane ray to a team like san francisco who could use some edge they have a great d sure. line but they don't have edge so maybe a Shane Ray before things continue to kind of spiral out of control with regard to his Bronco career. As it relates to today's roster, though, I mean, your commodity guys, I mean, Vaughn, you're not trading him. Chubb, you're not trading him. Philip Lindsey, you're not trading him. Chris Harris, you're probably really not trading him. That's Derek, it, though. Derek Wolf, I- you want him to retire a Bronco. Yes, I mean, when you start getting – you only got one or two elite caliber players, and then you start getting into blue-chip guys – You know, there's not a whole lot to go on there. I mean, I'd throw out maybe as a possibility the idea of Royce Freeman, but I'm not sure how how much running back is a need for the Niners. So it's a really interesting question, fives, that we'll have to consider maybe a little bit more, dive into that. But I agree with with Zach that if a trade is made, you know, you take Sanders into consideration if the Niners end up being interested in him. But other than him, I think it's more going to be about parlaying some picks to get up there and
1: make it worth San Francisco's while. Yeah, in terms of running back, they have McKinnon coming back next year. He'll be healthy. They paid a lot of money for him. They don't really need anyone the Broncos have. I mean, you made a great point with an edge rusher, but Barrett and Ray are not under contract anymore. So, yeah, aside from uh, Sanders, you don't have a trade trip there. Last question, and then we are going to get out of here and wish you all a great
2: weekend. This comes from Devon on the Mile High Mailbag VIP thread. uh, 14 months VIP subscriber. Are there any realistic options for later round quarterbacks if we don't land Haskins or Locke, Dwayne Haskins or Drew Locke? I like what I've seen from Eric Dungy. So that's the it's guy your, that I've kind of been binging on lately that Eric Trickle turned me on to. I've right. been watching a lot of his tape. For those of you who want to kind of wet your appetite a little bit on Eric Dungy, I suggest you go back. You can find it on YouTube. You just search uh, Syracuse or Eric Dungy versus Clemson, 2017 was the year that they beat Clemson. And then 2018, he almost beat Clemson. They came up just short, but it took literally all the way through the game for Clemson to battle back and win that game. Dungy had him beat. He had the lead, but he lost it. So check out Eric Dungy. He's a really interesting, very intriguing, toolsy quarterback. I don't understand. Eric's still trying to get to the bottom of it. Why he doesn't have more momentum why he's not being talked about more in this class so go check him out but Zach you and I we've talked about Brett Rippon we've talked about Mm -hmm. Jared Stidham anyone else you'd want to throw in there
1: uh, those are my two names I was going to mention and I I don't want to go anywhere near Daniel Jones. Even as a third round draft pick, I don't I wouldn't take a chance on him. Um, with Riphean or someone like Sidham you can hope they can turn into solid backups and that's a that's a commodity the NFL. That's an asset in the NFL. So, um but I would go nowhere near Daniel Jones and I would hope the Broncos would swing a little higher than a guy like Brett Riphean. I firmly believe though, I guarantee they're going to come out of this draft with a quarterback. He and if not in round 1, then something by the 3rd or 4th oh. round. I'm a big I'm also a fan of Eric Dungy but I also really really do like Sidham after watching the senior bowl he really kind of impressed me.
2: Yeah. Yeah, no doubt. And I know Eric Trickle is going to crucify me for saying this, but as a late day 2 early day 3 pick, I could live with Will Greer as well. You mm. know, he was a guy going into the to the pre-draft process that not everyone was in agreement. I mean, it wasn't you know, consensus by any means. But he was kind of viewed as maybe a late round 1, early second round Uh, prospect, but his pre-draft process thus far at the Senior Bowl, he just was not good, really hurt his draft stock. So the next month and then some change is going to be crucial, crucial for Will Greer. He's got to kill it at the combine, and he's got to absolutely just blow scouts away at his pro day because he appeared very unprepared, very unready, I guess is a non-word to use, for his opportunity at the Senior Bowl. But he's another guy I could live with, if I'm being honest. He's shown enough as a playmaker. He's shown enough to me as, as a guy willing to push the ball down the field. He's got drawbacks, obviously. We saw that on display at the Senior Bowl. But he's a guy, as a developmental guy, you bring him in mid-rounds to groom and see what happens a year or two down
1: the road. I could live with that. You know what? I would easily take Greer over Daniel Jones. And that might not even be a hot take, but you have a guy with much bigger upside and a lower floor. I'll take that any day of the week in in the third or fourth round. So you give me a guy like Will Greer, who's a gunslinger. I mean, you saw what the Broncos had in Chad Kelly, who was a seventh-round pick. He could have been a higher-round pick. So, yeah, I would take Greer over Daniel Jones. I would kind of stay away from both, though, um, but I would always go, at least in the middle rounds, for a higher upside and maybe a lower-floor quarterback.
2: But, hey, you guys, that's going to do it for today's episode of the Huddle Up Podcast. Zach and I are wrapping up our week, talking to you tomorrow. Building the Broncos will be back on Saturday. For those of you out and about, hitting the gym, whatever you're up to, tune in to Nick and Carl. They'll be breaking down, I'm sure, some draft-oriented stuff. So stay tuned for that. But in the meantime, you guys, follow the show on Twitter, at Huddle Up Pod, especially if you want to be engaged and have your finger on the pulse of what's going on with the show You can find Zach Kelberman on Twitter, at Kelberman247, myself, at Chad and Jensen. Make sure you're smashing the subscribe button. Make sure you're leaving a creative review. You're rating the show. And in the meantime, you guys, have a great weekend. We'll see you on the other side with the show on Monday.
0: You've been listening to the Huddle Up! Podcast. Join Broncos Country's deep divers at milehighhuddle.com to keep the conversation going.